0: I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Monday. They call it March Madness for a reason. This might be the most mad of them all. In fact, the most upsets ever up to this point. 14 Vegas underdogs so far have won the game outright. With more to come, certainly. Going to the NBA, LeBron James out for several weeks is the quote. The MVP odds are in a tumult. Yes, yes. LeBron no longer the favorite. and be the second favorite though at 550. The favorite, and I'm not joking, the Joker from Denver. He's almost even money, even money to be the MVP in the NBA. Tonight in college basketball, action continues. The big game, USC against Kansas. The game's a pick'em. That's on TBS. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're
1: listening
2: to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
0: From the Vegas Strip,
2: here's RJ Bell.
0: You heard it. I'm RJ live in Las Vegas, live on a big Monday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. You know, a good friend of mine, my best friend, really. We used to watch the tournament together, and all the time growing up. And then later, he'd come to Vegas, and uh, you know, before kids for him and we'd watch the first round and whenever there'd be like a exciting play or a buzzer beater, he'd just say, it's the madness. It's the madness. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, if there's ever a set of games is just shake your head and say, it's the madness. It's this one, this tournament. And I'll tell you, I think there's a rhyme or reason behind it. And we predicted it. We said this would be the most high variance tournament we've ever seen. And man, it has not disappointed and our best bet on what is going to be the sum of the final four teams seeds over 10 and a half, it almost won already. It was that sweet of a bet. And we'll get it, break it all down and tell you what we expect moving forward. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox.
1: Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which many brackets have been busted, we've got some transactions around the NFL. But what is the Vegas lead here on this Monday?
0: So, you know, you've heard the phrase uh, schadenfreude, right? Enjoyment of others' pain. Yes. Is it fair for me when I had Ohio State in the Final Four and, like, before – like some people even got in their seats, they were eliminated, <laughs> and I looked foolish. Is it is it schadenfreude for me to say I'm not so upset that the whole tournament's been a tumult? Because it makes me look like, oh, okay. <laughs> At the beginning, it looked really bad. I, I think I, I could say that it's um not as bad. Would you agree, Jonas? Uh,
1: yeah, I had uh, Illinois winning it all, so I'm oh, long gone. I, I, I,
0: I had them. <laughs> in, uh, yeah, let's just say this. The, the pros at pregame.com who, you know, again, by the test of time, the best there are, they, multiple ones of them, thought Illinois was the only team that could compete with Gonzaga. So uh, we're going to get into, and I think the Vegas League certainly is the tournament and all of the upsets, but I think there's some lessons we can learn that helps us, uh, you know, in the future games.
1: Yeah, and this is the final day of the four-day game, four day, excuse me, opening weekend extravaganza for the NCAA tournament. It's the round of 32. One last set of games to get into the Sweet 16. But, RJ, we have already seen a historic number of upsets so far in the tourney.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And there's a bunch of ways to look at this. I think saying Vegas thought one team was going to win and the other team won has happened already 14 times. And... It, you know, just considering when you have 16s versus ones and, you know, typically 15s versus twos and this year, you know, there was a 15. But the idea of it being uh, in the first as of the most recent count, we had 45 games. The idea that 14 of them have an upset is is just something we just don't see. And then if you look at, well, how about the extreme upsets? Well, we've got a 15. And then we're going to have uh, a 14 and 13 are playing. So one of them is going to advance. So just having two above 12. Um, I just did some back of the napkin calculations going back to 1985. So way back, 35 years or so, is going back to 1985. There had been like five or six, 50 or um, above 12 seeds. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 12's always been a demarcator. You see 12s beat fives all the time. And then 12s get to the Sweet 16 all the time. But what doesn't happen is the 13s, 14s, or 15s, and then the 116 16 is 1-1 game, they don't usually get to the Sweet 16. So we're talking about a handful of times in 35 years, and we're guaranteed two of those this tournament. So you not only have at the, the biggest upset level, this is historic. Right? It's unprecedented. But then as you look at just the the raw number of upsets, because sometimes you can have a chalky tournament, but a couple of big upsets. This is from top to bottom. So you're the eye tester for us. And we predicted it. We said, and I just want to see if our thoughts lined up with what you have seen. We predicted the reason there'd be a high variance, which is another word for there's going to be a lot of things you don't expect. It's going to vary a lot is because, one, we don't know how good the good teams are. Because when you don't play as many games, when you don't play out of conference, uh, I remember one pick we made on the podcast. It was Colgate. And I think Colgate was 14-1. and Like, they had played 15 games. And they were playing a team, Arkansas, that had played, you know, almost a full slate, but not quite. How, How do we think we know as much about Colgate? Well, we didn't. We were skeptical. And Colgate got beat badly. It doesn't change... You know, it doesn't make the concept right, but what it does show is in general, it's like a friend, right? We've all had a friend that we met and we've known him for six months. And it's like, man, that guy, he's stand up, you know, and that never seems to do anything that just I think is playing wrong. It's one thing to say that after six months. If you say that after six years, it means something else. If you say that after 16 years, it means a lot more when we say sample size. It is because any occurrence that happens over a short period of time is meaningful, but it's not as meaningful as that same occurrence over a long period of time. So my starting point of why I thought it'd be high variance would be we just didn't know how good these teams were. What what did your eye test tell you?
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, looking at it now, it's kind of similar to what we saw maybe in college football in the sense that, you remember the talk was, and, and listen, Dabo Swinney took shots at, at your Buckeyes and said, well, you know, they should... Like,
0: well, he did before the game.
1: Yeah, of course. And then you <laughs> and then you watched the game, and it wasn't close. Like, you just watched the game, and it was like, it, it felt like a mismatch at times to where they could do things down the field that Clemson just couldn't do. But we didn't, a lot of people didn't expect that because the sample size was so small and it was so much different than what the acc had because they played so many more games in ohio state thus was the argument ohio state shouldn't be in there by the people that, that that were that were making the comments and now that you take a step back and look three days and and four ways in, in, and four days in progress now I'm starting to get the same vibe like wow we just didn't know a lot and I I, th- I did not expect it I thought that there would be it would be mostly chalk I thought you know there's not gonna be as much of a travel discrepancy because everybody's in the same location um, you oh, know so
0: so you're saying some of the advantages that the pedigreed teams typically get from the committee that aren't obvious. You're saying those would be diminished. That's you. Um, I, I guess what, what was the rationale that you saw? And, and, and obviously it's easy in hindsight to say, you know, Oh, you were wrong, but I, I just want to understand why did you expect chalk given uh, this year's tournament situation? Be,
1: because the less crowd, I thought, all right, so the uh. talent's going to win out. All right. Emo- it's not going to be as uh, emotional. Okay. And so the emotion portion of it is not going to be there like we've seen in previous mm. tournaments. And now we're, you know, like I said, and three, four days. And going to
0: help the, the, the Cinderella. The,
1: yeah, the Cinderella. underdog who feeds off the emotion and gets going and they get off to a hot start. And the other thing that I've noticed, and, and I don't know the numbers to back this up because this would take some, uh, some deep research, but it feels like in this tournament, when a team gets up big, it's over. Like, it feels Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of just running away with these games, as opposed to if you watch an NBA game, a team gets down double digits or 20 points. You know, the game's not necessarily over because they can make a run. In this tournament, I mean, Syracuse got up big a couple of games. It was over. Loyola Chicago got up big on Illinois. I never thought Illinois had a chance in that game. And that's something I did not expect going into this.
0: So if you look at the NBA, and they've discussed this in the NBA, and you're right. In general, it's not as pronounced, at least with the limited things we've seen in the NCAA tournament so far. But here's what I've, I'm hearing players say, is when you're behind big, regular season NBA game, you're down 17. If you're on the road, you're usually in trouble. But if you're at home, the crowd's there, you look, you see, man, they, they paid a lot of money. There's there's a sense that the crowd's energy keeps you energized. Yeah. And we've seen that in the NFL, too. Right is when teams got up big, the comebacks just weren't as many this year because there's just not any – imagine if you were just doing a scrimmage and you were down 17, like a big big deficit. You probably aren't going to fight tooth and arrow to come back. If the game feels like a scrimmage in a way, then you're going to have situations where teams just don't have the energy to – they're not being fed by the crowd to come yeah. back. I do think there's another element which is applicable to – The NFL playoffs, when you have a team that's up big in the NFL playoffs, they tend to keep their pedal to the metal because they know the stakes are so high. They don't want there to be like a Brady versus the Falcons type comeback, which is rare. In the NCAA tournament, I think it's the same thing. If you're a team that's up big, as much as typically you might take it easy a little bit because you've got this one wrapped up, you're probably not going to take it as easy. So that's not so much pandemic driven, but just I think always When the stakes get higher, the teams with the bigger leads tend to keep playing hard. I mean, as you think back to your fandom, would you say that lines up?
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I also wonder just some of these teams, you know, it's the live to fight another day. You know, if you're playing in the NBA, how many times have we watched an NBA playoff series? One team gets blown out one game, they come back the next game, and and they do the blowing out. Like it's, you know, you live to fight another day, and that's not necessarily translating. It just – I'm watching these college teams, especially these higher seeds like in Illinois – And they just look stunned that they're even in the position that they're in. And maybe that's something to go along with. Well, maybe they've been tested in in playing Big Ten teams. But when you get outside your conference and all of a sudden it's for all the marbles and it's a winner go home, they almost froze in that spot and weren't able to get back in the game.
0: Okay, I think you make a great point. And we'll take our first break. And it's going to segue to Jonas's point, which is the following is the Big Ten has performed atrociously, really much less well than we expected. What does that tell us about the tournament and the rest of the tournament? Because I'm a big believer that the way a conference does, good or bad, and the Pac-12 has done really well, is there's a way to make money from that. That's what we'll get to next.
1: He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas.
1: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will get into a disastrous start to the NCAA tournament for one conference.
0: Yes. Oh, my. Oh, my. But we can make money from that. So that means there's a great day to join. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Thank you so much for the support. And we're going to keep reciprocating that love with our effort and passion. That sounds good, right, Jonas?
1: Yeah, that works. Yeah, I why so. not? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you can listen <laughs> on those 225 stations coast to coast. You can go to foxsportsradio.com and find out where your station might be in whatever area you are. Right here in Vegas on the Strip, 66 degrees. The neon is flowing.
1: The Big Ten at a bundle of teams get into the NCAA tournament, nine in total. But with another day left in opening weekend, we have seven Big Ten teams gone. The only two remaining, Michigan and Maryland, coming up later on.
0: I can't explain this concept without telling a story. I tell it once a year. I always enjoy it. It was way back in the early 90s. And Tecmo baseball, and people know Tecmo football, but Tecmo baseball was a big uh, – or um, – it wasn't Nintendo, was it? Yeah, I guess it was. It was Nintendo. And where I grew up, there was 4,000 people and small town. But there was the city or the townsfolk and the country folk. And let's just say this. I was in the town, and it had no stoplight, So that was the town, mm-hmm. all right? But then you got out where the farms are and all that stuff. There was a guy that thought he was really good at Tecmo baseball. And I was, I'll just say it, the best and he came and said, oh, I can take you out. So we bat, and like the first game, it was a mercy rule, like 11 nothing or whatever. Second game, mercy rule, me winning. He drops the controller and goes, I got to get off the hill. Now, with, <laughs> that's where the country folk were up on the hill. It's like we only know what we know from the competition that we play. And he was the best guy up there. Now, the Big Ten was playing amongst themselves, historically, you play a lot of -of out-of-conference games. But even in college basketball, unless a team makes a point to play some of these uh, holiday tournaments and different things, often those out-of-conference games aren't that particularly competitive, meaning they play teams that are just much better than. That's when you just never know how good a conference is or how good a team is because they're playing amongst themselves. Imagine if someone looked at the NFL as one conference, and looked at let's say the Big Sky in um, football or some small conference as another, and one team's 11 and 0, other team's 11 and 0. You're like, well, NFL, eh, that competition is a little bit better. You know, you don't. You, I guess in that case, you could look physically and say, well, look, these guys are 300 pounds, these guys are 230. But in general, when it's not that obvious, because you're never going to see that in the Big Ten. You're not going to be able to say, oh, the Pac-12 is better. Look how much taller they are. Look how much faster no it's intangibles usually and if they don't play each other cross conference the best team in one conference might be the fourth best team in another but you have no idea that there's that much of a discrepancy and again it gets to this pandemic year because there was just uh, was there any out of conference games in basketball there uh,
1: yeah, they were. It was way early on, obviously before conference play. But I know, I think Illinois played um, uh, Missouri. I think North Carolina A and T was on their schedule at some point. So, so but- not
0: as much as usual.
1: No, not as much as you. And, and it was so long ago that. I, and also, you don't know. You'd have to go back to each game. I mean, you know, did COVID affect anybody in these games? You know, what, what was it like early on in the season? They'll usually do the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They they did yes. that for a long time. And
0: those those are the kind of things you can really learn something because the theory is you're playing competitive teams, and if one conference does, you know, go six and two or whatever, it tells you something. We didn't have the benefit of that this year, and you make a great point, and I'll let you finish Is when you were saying about how it's not just the number of games, but within those games, there was more variation because of random things like COVID absences, travel issues, so every game tells you a little bit, it seems like a little less than it typically would. And there was less games cross-conference also. Continue, though.
1: Yeah, and I was also going to say, you know, in making the comparison, we, we'll do this during bowl season, where you'll see yeah. during college football bowl season, people go, okay, what do what conference do? And I've never been a believer that that tells me anything about the conference in bowl season, Ooh. because it's like in the regular season for college basketball this year. In the bowl games, man, there's a lot of things that could go on. Maybe the best player sits out because he's waiting for the draft. Maybe, uh, you know, one team doesn't really care about the gift bag that they're getting. They've got injuries, or somebody's getting a surgery done to get ready for the combine. There, there's bowl games in college football outside of the big bowls. A lot of teams don't really get get up for. You know, some teams might not be as excited to play as you would think they would be because they've got players that are looking after their own interests. In the tournament, I think it's the opposite. It's one and done. It's sudden death, win or go home every single game, and to see one conference lose seven of nine when they were touted as the best conference all season long, I think that's a pretty damning look.
0: Now, you're making some uh, a really good point. So, let's think about what Jonas is saying here. I'm R.J. Bowers, straight out of Vegas. One, is every game you can call it a uh, a certainty coefficient, or you could call it something that has to do with how instructive, how telling is this event? Another way to say it is, are there factors that aren't obvious that's making this deceptive, right? Because a a game might be deceptive if two key players were out, but you forget about it or some other fact. So what's the maybe that's the way to think about is how deceptive could this result be? Yeah. In the college football, you know, pre-conference time. Uh, or let's say in bowls, let's use that, it's even better. In the bowls, it could be very deceptive. Motivation is, is, is a, a, a widely varying thing amongst these teams in college bowls. And also there could be other factors too. Okay. So there's a there's fairly high deception quotient, but it's not super high, I think, for bowls. But I agree with you. It's, it's higher than the NCAA tournament, where in truth, in basketball – there should be no reason that it's deceptive other than the fact it's just one and done, so teams can get lucky or unlucky. But now you look across the conference and you say everyone's playing hard, everyone wants to win, and they're getting beat far more often, the Big Ten is, than we expected. And that tells us just fundamentally they were not as good as we thought. And since they played a vast majority of the games that mattered amongst themselves, it was like that guy up on the hill playing Tecmo. He was, he was winning, but what did it mean? And I think what we're saying is what we thought the Big Tens winning against each other meant, it doesn't seem like it means that much. And I would say as we segue to an updated title odds, and Mackenzie, perk up your ears here, pregame.com research, because I want to see if I'm missing something other than this. Because if you look at the favorites right now, Michigan jumps out at you, but they're the fourth favorite. So Gonzaga plus 170. So they were about two to one, so their odds have improved. Not probably as much as I oh I'm sorry, this was from Friday. So yeah, from the start of the tournament till now. Only went up a little bit. But it kind of makes sense because one seed so rarely lose in the first two rounds. All right. Baylor's next. Now Baylor's odds have done really an improvement. They were seven to one. Now they're three and a half to one. So your payoff got cut in half with Baylor from that's a number one seed winning two games. That's it. Okay. Houston, who almost lost, were seventeen to one. Now they're eight to one. The third favorite to win the title is Houston, and Clyde Drexler's not there. Alonzo's <laughs> not there. No <laughs> five slamma jamma. Okay, here's what's interests me though. Michigan was eight to one. Now they're eleven to one. Wow, McKenzie. Is, could that be anything in your mind except the reevaluation of the Big Ten?
2: <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, that's the only thing it could be because their path isn't especially easy. They still have the number two seed, Alabama, to look at. So their path is the
0: same. It's just maybe they're just not as good as we thought. Well, remember, a path can't get harder. It can only get easier. In theory, you assume you're going to play the high seeds all the way out. And then if, if one bracket opens up, you could say the odds would improve a lot. But why would odds get worse? I mean, The
2: only thing I could think of is if Houston's path being so easy, being the only one that's not a 10 or higher seed in their bracket, that somehow they get a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah, but
0: if you're the number one seed and somehow you've got to play the number two in the lead eight, that's kind of expected. Right. Right? So, I mean, that could if the line had gone from Michigan eight to one to seven to one, like only improved a little bit, you could explain that and I would agree with you. Now, I should know this. I just forget. Is Does Michigan still play tonight?
1: Yeah, they played later on. Yeah,
0: so they've only got the one win in, so that's part of it too. They win a second game, obviously. But to imagine this: you win a game, and that's all you've done. No, no one's gotten hurt, no one got suspended, and you went from eight to one to eleven to one. <laughs> if you if you ever wondered how serious the batters take this idea that when a conference does poorly or strongly, you got to take it as meaningful to reevaluate all the teams (laughs) in that conference. It's that, Jonas, right? I mean, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, well, it's like uh, one guy on on the team does something stupid and everybody's got to run laps afterwards. It's like (laughs) Michigan's now got to run laps because nobody else could hold up their end of the bargain in the Big Ten, so Now they get punished for it from the betters. So,
0: yeah. So that's Jonas Talks on Marjorie Boat. So, Mackenzie, I'm looking at my printout here, and I'm not quite sure. So is it Gonzaga, Baylor, Houston in order? There's no team ahead of them? Or
2: yes. that's top three, right there.
0: Okay. And then Michigan at eleven one is fourth. Yep. And who's fifth? Loyola Chicago. That's what I'm wondering. I couldn't believe that. So you're saying they had the fifth best chance to win the title.
2: Yes, and that was coming into today. Iowa, the six team, was knocked out today. Oh my so god. So even better now.
0: I mean, imagine that, Jonas. Jesus. Loyola of Chicago. Is the was it, you know even better I guess to some degree the fifth favorite to win the title. Where's Alabama? What are you seeing there, McKenzie?
2: Eighteen to one. They're the next spot down.
0: Wow. All right. All right. So what I'm going to do is um, during uh, by the end of the show I'll tweet out at RJ in Vegas the list of all the remaining teams and their title odds. But again, there's some shockers here. Now let's transition to the conference. It's done exceptionally well. And that would be the Pac-12 What's your eye test takeaway from that, Jonas?
1: I just—they look really, really athletic. I mean, especially Oregon. I'm just in going the most recent example that we got to see earlier today, Oregon got all over Iowa, and it was just a complete and total mismatch. Just athleticism and everything—it just like two different quality. I don't know if it was teams or conferences or how you want to pair it up, but they just looked completely dominant. Um, and and it—it's funny, and and I do feel a little bit of this, you know, not to continue to go back to the college football stuff, but but I do think it applies here. You know, the the Pac-12's always been sort of mocked the past couple of years in college football because the powerhouses there just have not been there. So it does feel like there's more and more Pac-12 love sort of uh, basking in the glory of the demise of the Big Ten and the Pac-12 running all over them. But Oregon was totally dominant, looked much more athletic, and Iowa had no answers at all.
0: Mackenzie, pop open the line move in that Oregon-Iowa game because Fezzik made an interesting point in our pre-show and he'll be in on Wednesday to give all his thoughts as things are settling down in between rounds, is he said, boy, our instincts should have been, and they weren't, on Oregon. Because up to that point, though, obviously, Oregon's domination kind of put an exclamation point on it. We would be thinking, okay, up arrow Pac-12, down arrow Big Ten, and oh, here's Pac-12 versus Big Ten. It's something, in theory, we should have been looking at Oregon. I'm curious to see... From the opener, McKenzie, to the close of that line, was it a lot of Oregon money? Because as the other Big Ten teams were losing, as Pac-12 teams were doing well, did people reevaluate and start betting Oregon? Indeed, it went from 5.5 to 4.5 at close. All right, so your, Iowa was favored by 5.5, and, and then the money came in on Oregon, 4.5, and, and then they won outright.
2: Right, push the number
0: down. Okay, yeah, so the money came in. On the Pac-12 team, which is what we would expect, a team that, um, uh, you know, it's just in general. You're, re- it, it, you know, what it's like. It's like, imagine if, um, I mean, UFC. When they used to have tournaments, right? And yeah. when a guy you know, like the first UFC ever was the Gracie tournament, right? Yeah. It, you, you know all about that? I'm sure. They, I think there's been a couple documentaries on that one, and it's really cool. Yeah, I loved that one, by the way, just because it was like no one like there were street fighters, there were kickboxers. I think Mr. T might have been now, but almost like Mr. T, <laughs> and then the and and no one knew which discipline would win, you know, on the X-Files, there used to be that crew, the lone gunman, and they, when one of them dominated the other one in their hacking, they'd say, your Kung Fu is better than my Kung Fu, which is the idea that there's different ways to approach it. Well, these different conferences aren't different ways, but they're different, you know, in, in the way of playing different teams. And back with the UFC, when you see a guy beat who you expected to win, what did you think? You're like, wow, I got to reevaluate how good he is because he just beat someone I thought was really good. Right. That's just human nature. Well, PAC 12 has had a lot of games in which you say, yep, they must be better than I thought. Big tens had many games. Oh, they're not as good as I thought. It's, it, it, it's very logical, but the market doesn't react to it as quickly as you should, I think. And because of that there's an opportunity as much as, yeah, the big 12, or I'm sorry, the Pac-12 is going to be more favored, more love. I'm not sure. I'm more anti-Big Ten than I am pro-Pac-12. And uh, I think it's when you see a team that's the number one seed lose in the second round, that's much more unlikely than it is that a team that's like a 5-point underdog wins a game. So the big kind of shockers here have been more of the losses of the Big Ten than the wins of the Pac-12. So in general, I'm more anti- Big Ten. Uh, would you agree with that, Jonas? Or? Yeah,
1: no, I, I agree. And I actually wondered this, just in, in talking about this and thinking about it, did you get a sense in Vegas that maybe some of the traditional always bet on the tournament sharp bettors maybe backed away a little bit this year because they sensed that there was going to be something that was a little bit off about this tournament? And and maybe let, let, all the, let all the other people bet the early rounds, and then once you get a couple of rounds in, then reassess, and then try and attack and, and, and make your bet to make your money later on
0: there's two types of professional batters one that are super conservative now that seems kind of an oxymoron right a conservative gambler but there are super conservative gamblers that for them it's a mathematical exercise they have an edge they hate variety they hate variance they want every game played in a a sealed chamber and they want, you know, no smoke, no, you know, as much as you can make it like this perfect environment. And then the truth just exerts itself. Then you've got the more typical, Hey, I got gamble in my stomach type gambler. And they look at the smart ones. And if they're pros are smart, they look at variance as in a, a variety of factors that they don't know exactly how to price as an opportunity. And that's how I tend to look at it. If I wanted to be boring, I could have went from college and went to law school and had a lot of, you know, some success, but it would have been boring for me. I want a chance for everything to get turned upside down. Then what? I want to shake it up and then what? And I think you see that when we do our best and our picks have been great over two and a half years. I mean, on air, we've done exceptionally well and because we care, right? We really Know that when we give a pick, there's going to be thousands, I mean, literally thousands of people follow it, it matters. But I think when things have been shook up is when we've done our best. And to me, it's hard to imagine a better pick than to say, okay, we're going to go official best bet. I said it was the bet of the tournament over 10 and a half for the sum of the final four teams. When you sum them up, the very fact that there was one game, Fezic said, I don't remember which one it was. If it had gone the other way, we would have won it already. Like, if even if the best four teams would have made it from the, not even 16 left, like with 20 left. So, I mean, knock on wood, but I can't see us losing that one because we said, how do we take advantage of the uncertainty? To me, you can cry about the darkness, Jonas, or you can light a candle. All right. And I'm the type that lights candles. Let's hope this game goes over because I'm, or let's hope these, uh, some goes over because I'm really living this up. You know, I'm going to act like I'm being humble here and say we got to see what's trending, but really, I think I've said enough. Be
1: sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell.
0: Okay, we'll take our final break. When we come back, the biggest game of the night, USC Kansas, we'll break it down. And in case you were watching, The tournament all weekend will give you the three things in the NFL with a free agency you want to make sure you understand. You didn't want to miss these.
1: He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas.
1: And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And, R.J., we've been talking about the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. A number six, USC, out of the West region, is taking on number three, Kansas, coming up later on, 9.40 Eastern time on CBS. But right now on pregame.com, that game is a pick-em.
0: Yeah, six seed versus a three, but Vegas says these are even teams. And why would that be? Two factors. One, as we said, pro Pac-12 and UCLA is up big right now assuming they keep about their margin it will be 8-0 straight up Pack 12 that's perfect 8-0 against the spread now that's impressive but even more impressive we have the ATS margin that means how many points do you win or lose against the spread by because all wins aren't created equal if you win by 2 uh oh, got lucky if you win by 17 you dominated Well, the ATS margin for the Pac-12 is plus 17 points per game. Another way to say that is literally every game that the Pac-12 has played, you add them all up, they've exceeded expectations by 17 points in each game, per game. So this isn't, oh, we're off by a bucket, we're off by two, no, off by 17 points. Now, some of that's good variance, but some of it is the Pac-12 is just much, much better. So wouldn't then we thought. So wouldn't it make sense? Oh, look, there's a Pac-12 team. Let's think better of USC. On the other hand, this is the big game on CBS against Kansas. The game's pick and Why? Because five players out COVID for Kansas, one of them the second-leading scorer. And that leads me to my opinion on the game. If you do like Kansas, look first half, because I think fatigue is going to be an issue. Because when you take away five players, even if only one is really important – The bench gets thinner, the rotations get tighter, and it's a 48-hour turnaround. And remember, teams don't often play college basketball games with just one day off. So having a second game in a row, thinned out team, I think Kansas, if they suffer for that, it will be mostly in the second half. So if you like KU, look first half. If you like UCLA, maybe look second half.
1: And, RJ, some bad news as we transition to the NBA for the Los Angeles Lakers. LeBron James, a high ankle sprain. He is going to be out for the foreseeable future, which puts a dent into his MVP campaign.
0: But doesn't hurt at all our 12-1 to to win the Pacific Division bet on <laughs> Phoenix. Not I'm not saying I was hoping for that. I mean, I don't have a <laughs> voodoo doll or anything. <clears throat> I. It's almost impossible to believe that if you told me mid-March – that a guy nicknamed the Joker, <laughs> Jokic, a guy people call the Joker because they don't want to say Jokic, is the favorite to win the NBA MVP. And I'll be candid, he's a huge favorite. He's plus 110. All right, that means 100 wins you 110. That's even money. The Joker is even money to win the MVP. And Embiid is five and a half to one injury issue. Obviously, LeBron now six to one. Giannis, he's surging. Giannis was 15 to one. Friday. Now he's seven and a half to one. Your payoff wow. cut in half. James Harden down to seven to one at one of the sharp books in Vegas, the Westgate, ten to one generally. We've got him at thirty to one, Joan. another nice ticket. Now a little <laughs> NFL talk.
1: Yeah, and we've got a busy weekend, obviously, in the NFL. Some not-so-good news, though, for Deshaun Watson. Another lawsuit has been filed, so he's dealing with uh, his issues there as the Houston Texans and him continue to go through a tumultuous offseason together.
0: Tomorrow, we're going to really break this down. But in general, what I want to talk about quickly is the Patriots because you're seeing a lot of times the Patriots on the winner's list – And a lot of the time you're seeing them, not as much, but on the losers list. I think both parties are right. The key here is New England had a ton of money to spend. Thus, they were going to spend it. The catch-22 is when you are, when you got more needs in free agency, it means you can't wait for the best deal. Sometimes it's like if the last car, you know, last bus out of town is charging you extra, it's either that bus or nothing. You pay extra if you need to get out of town. Patriots need a lot of players and they've bought a lot of players. I think they've done a really good job, but a lot of people might be confused by the different perspectives. I think given how many players they needed, the Patriots have done a really good job. Their Super Bowl odds have improved greatly from 50 to 1 down to 28 to 1. I agree. Good things for the Patriots.
1: We are straight out of Vegas. If you missed any of today's show, including a deep dive and the Vegas perspective on what is wrong with the Big Ten in the NCAA tournament and how you can take advantage of it, you can check out the podcast at FoxSportsRadio.com. We are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!